Hello from the Financial Times in London. I'm Katie Martin and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. US Democrats have launched a long-awaited impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. Many Democrats had pushed for an inquiry after the Mueller probe into Russian meddling in the last US election released its findings. But it took a July telephone conversation between Trump and Ukraine's new president to persuade Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the US House of Representatives, that it was time to act. On the line with me now to discuss the probe and how Mr Trump has responded is our Washington Bureau Chief, Dmitry Sevastopoulos. Dmitry, hi. So tell us what we know about this phone call in question. What exactly did Mr Trump say to Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, and how did the details of this phone call all come to light? So on July 25th at 9.03 in the morning in Washington, Trump gets on the phone with the Ukrainian president who had been elected in April. It was kind of a congratulatory call. And, you know, they talk about a range of things. And at one point in the conversation, Zelensky says to Trump, we're ready to continue to cooperate and to buy Javelin anti-tank weapons for defense purposes as they try to protect themselves from Russia. Trump then responds and says, quote, I would like you to do us a favor. And then for the rest of the conversation, Trump asks Zelensky to help him with two things. The first is Trump and his Justice Department are trying to discredit the Mueller investigation, which started in 2016 and lasted for about two years. And secondly, Trump asked for help trying to dig up dirt on Joe Biden and his son, Hunter, who at one point worked for a Ukrainian gas company. And when this transcript came out last week, it became a huge scandal because it showed that Trump had used his political office for personal gain and to try and get dirt on Joe Biden, who potentially could be his rival for the presidential election next year. Yes, as you say, I mean, he could end up being Trump's opponent in that 2020 election. How has he responded to these allegations? So the irony here is that the day that Trump spoke to Zelensky, July 25th, was the day after Robert Mueller had testified on Capitol Hill about his report. And Democrats were very disappointed because Mueller didn't go any further than his report and he didn't come out and slam Donald Trump. And so it looked like this two-year investigation into Trump had finally come to an end. Nothing was really going to happen and Trump was happy and he was going to move on. But the next day, this phone call happens and we are now back into a more serious situation. So Trump is trying to push a theory that Joe Biden's son was involved with a corrupt Ukrainian gas company and that Joe Biden tried to pressure Ukraine to fire its top prosecutor, who Trump says was investigating this company and the links that Hunter Biden had to the company. Joe Biden and his team have pushed back very strongly and said that nothing like this was going on, that there was actually an international effort that involved the US, Western countries, including France, Germany, the UK, international institutions like the IMF and others, who collectively were putting pressure on Ukraine to fire the prosecutor, his name is Shulkin, completely unrelated to Burisma and the gas company. So there's a conspiracy theory that's been pushed in Washington by Rudy Giuliani, who is the former New York mayor who's now acting as a personal lawyer and a kind of a fixer for Donald Trump and has been picked up in a very big way by the right-wing media and on Twitter in the U.S., And Trump is trying to use this conspiracy to show that what the Democrats are doing on Capitol Hill to try and impeach him is actually just them trying to conceal a conflict of interest that Joe Biden had when he was putting pressure on the Ukrainians when he was in the White House as the vice president. So from that point of view, is it working in terms of sullying Biden's name? It's not clear yet. You know, we haven't had that many polls come out since this has started in terms of how people view Biden. 
I think the Biden camp, on the one hand, thinks there's a positive side to this, which is it allows all of the narrative in Washington to be about Trump and Biden. It almost creates the feeling that Biden is already the nominee for the Democrats, which is not the case. There's a long way to go before the primaries and caucuses start in February next year. On the other hand, the Biden campaign, when they talk privately, they say, well, the truth is we don't know how this is going to play out. It may be conspiracy. We can totally debunk it. And if you look into the facts, anyone will realize that's true. But on the campaign trail, how many people are going to take the time to look in and see what actually happened to make up their mind? So there's a danger with some of the independent voters who are critical here that some of them might see Biden in a different light. And it's also true that even though there's no evidence that Joe Biden was trying to fire the prosecutor to help his son, There's also people who say, well, at the same time, it was maybe not very smart of Joe Biden to allow his son to get paid $50,000 a month to work for a Ukrainian company in an industry where he had zero experience, because regardless of what actually happened, it creates the perception of a conflict of interest that Biden could have done without. So going back to the impeachment process, what happens next in the inquiry? How many people have been called to testify and when are we going to hear what they have to say? We have a kind of a few things going on. Right now, there aren't really any public hearings scheduled. What you have is there are six committees in the House of Representatives, all of which are controlled by the Democrats, who are investigating different parts of this scandal. The main one, though, is the House Intelligence Committee and the House Foreign Affairs Committee. They are calling different current and former State Department officials at the moment to depose them, to get information behind closed doors in private about the U.S. relation with Ukraine, about you know, what Rudy Giuliani did in Ukraine, whether Rudy Giuliani cooperated with the State Department, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, what was his role in all of this. So there's kind of a fact-finding mission on the one hand. The most important, I think, testimony, and we don't know whether it'll be behind closed doors or in public, is the whistleblower. The reason this scandal has come to light is in August, a anonymous CIA official who wasn't on the call with the Ukrainian president, but talked to a number of White House officials who were on the call, filed a complaint with the top watchdog in the intelligence community, the inspector general. And in that complaint, he said that it appeared that Trump had used the White House office for political purposes to help him get reelected. And after the call, White House lawyers had insisted that the details of the conversation, the transcript that was taken, we're all locked down and placed in a special secure electronic server that's reserved for the highest classified information in the U.S. government. Very unusual to put a presidential transcript in there. That whistleblower complaint was released last week, and the whistleblower wants to appear before Congress. So that is going to be probably one of the biggest moments in this impeachment inquiry. And then over the next two or three months, the committees will do their work. And at some point, they will take their conclusions, refer them to the Justice Committee in the House of Representatives, who will then decide with Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, whether to file articles of impeachment against the president, which I think most people assume will happen. The House will then vote. And given that the Democrats have a majority, it's highly unlikely that Trump would not be impeached. And at that point, we move to the Senate, which Mitch McConnell, the top Republican, the majority leader in the Senate, has already said he's under an obligation to hold a trial. And so we will have almost certainly a trial of Donald Trump. The big question is whether that trial would convict Donald Trump. And in the Senate, you need a two-thirds majority to convict the president. And the Republicans have a majority, and it would take 20 Republicans to jump ship for Trump to be convicted. And 
a number of Republicans are up for re-election in November of next year. If they came out against Trump, they would be challenged by Trump's base in the primary for that election and would probably lose the primary and then not even be able to run for re-election. So I think there's a real question as to whether some of these Republican senators will decide to jeopardize their career in order to hold Donald Trump to account if that's what they think is needed. So how's the White House responded to all this? Mr. Trump has a a way of letting us into his mind um, through the glory of the internet. I mean, what does his tweeting suggest about what his strategy is here? Apparently, yeah, he's found this platform called Twitter. Um, It'll never catch on. (laughs) And uh, every time he tweets, all of the journalists in Washington, have a most of them have a notification of their phone buzzes every time he says something. You know, over the last two years, his favorite word for the Russia investigation was the witch hunt. So he's pulled that one out of the bag again and uses that quite a lot. Last night, on Tuesday evening in Washington, he asserted that there was a coup and that the impeachment inquiry was really a way for people who didn't like him to throw him out of the White House. He is pushing back and fighting back on Twitter very, very hard. His State Department, Mike Pompeo, has tried to stall the investigation by making it more difficult for State Department employees to speak to lawmakers. And, you know, sometimes to people on the outside, it looks like Donald Trump is doing something that's self-defeating. You know, why is he writing these things on Twitter? Why is he saying this? No one believes this. Well, his audience is not journalists in Washington or people around the world. His audience is his base. And what he's trying to do is to fire people up into thinking that what's happening in Washington is a coup. It's an undemocratic seizure of power, that Donald Trump is the elected president and people are trying to take that away from him. And by extension, they're taking away the rights of the American voters who supported Trump in 2016. So this is a ploy he's used in the past. And frankly, his support among his base is incredibly high. So it's something that works with the segment of the electorate that is most important for him. The question is, and this is always the question with Donald Trump, what does it do to the independents in the middle who may have voted for him last time and are now starting to think, well, hold on a second, should I give him a second go? So aside from this alleged pressure on the Ukrainian president, are there any other lines of investigation that the Democrats are pushing here relating to misuse of office? Well, there's a few core things and then there's lots of little things on the sidelines. So, for example, on the sidelines, one thing the Democrats have been pushing for quite a while now, and the courts have been involved in this, is to try and get access to Trump's tax returns. So that's one thing that's happening. More directly related to what people are now calling Ukraine gate, it appears that there have been a number of transcripts of phone calls between Trump and other leaders. For example, Vladimir Putin in Russia, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman. Scott Morrison, the Australian prime minister, where after those calls, White House lawyers and officials on the call, and usually there can be, you know, roughly 10, sometimes more different officials who are listening in on these presidential calls, have concluded that these are so sensitive and some of the things that were said are so sensitive that the call, the transcript, any records need to be stored in this special secure digital server, which is normally reserved for the kinds of things, for example, covert programs that the CIA is doing overseas. So you put the most, most sensitive stuff in there. So it's emerged that a number of these transcripts have stored that way, which has raised questions about whether Donald Trump has tried to pressure any other leaders to do things to either get dirt on Joe Biden or anything else that would be considered to be uh, inappropriate. Donald Trump has inferred that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, was also up to no good in China. Now, there's no evidence that Hunter Biden did anything wrong in China, but you know, you have to wonder, did Donald Trump ask Chinese President Xi Jinping 
to find any information on Joe Biden and maybe, you know, then he could do a better trade deal with the Chinese. We don't know. But those are the kind of questions that the Democrats are now focusing on. And I think the reason that the whistleblower and the whistleblower's complaint were so important is it's a roughly, I think, a 10-page document. And it almost lays out a roadmap for the kinds of officials and the places you need to go to pursue this investigation. And that is what the House Intelligence Committee and the other panels in the House of Representatives are now focusing on. I mean, it might be too early to tell, but do we have a good sense of how the electorate is responding? Trump's base is lockstep behind him. There's no evidence that anyone is going to abandon him on the basis of this. His support among Republicans has been very, very high because he has actually carried out many of the things that he said he would do on the campaign trail in 2016, be it the Iran nuclear deal, withdrawing from the Paris Climate Accord, the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal. There are many things that Trump said he would do. And most importantly, putting conservative justices on both the Supreme Court and federal courts across the country, which is one of the most important things for conservative voters. It doesn't get picked up a lot in the media sometimes. But in terms of the impeachment question, what's interesting is over the last week, the polling has shifted dramatically. So at the moment, a couple of polls that have come out in the last few days have suggested that the country is roughly split, half saying he should be impeached, the other half saying he should not. But that's a big shift from a week ago where it's about a 20-point shift where people last week were saying, well, no, he shouldn't be impeached. So since then, more pieces of evidence have come out, the stuff about Saudi Arabia, the call with Russia, Australia, Pompeo trying to block the inquiry on Capitol Hill. So it's possible that, you know, we'll see another shift in public sentiment over the next few days. And I think probably that's, again, why Trump is trying to rally his base so strongly. He really thinks that this is now a huge bruising battle. And the only way he can win it is on Twitter and getting his supporters fired up and making them believe that this is a coup. Yeah, he's hunkering down. So how did the Democrats come to the decision to go through this process? And how is that playing out with its electoral base? So one of the most interesting things in Washington in regard to how you hold Donald Trump to account over the past year has been that Nancy Pelosi, the veteran Democratic Speaker of the House, she's a very canny politician, she told her members that it was a mistake to impeach Donald Trump. She thought he's not going to be convicted in the Senate in a trial where the Republicans hold the majority, so ultimately it wouldn't produce anything. It would fire up Donald Trump's base ahead of the 2020 election and possibly help him. And thirdly, she's worried about a number of freshman Democrat politicians who were elected in the November 2018 midterms in districts that voted for Donald Trump in 2016. And she's worried that the Democratic Party would put them in jeopardy in 2020 if they went ahead and impeached Donald Trump. Something big happened last week. Seven of those Democrats, mostly women and almost all of them who had a national security background, came out and wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post and said it's time for us to investigate Donald Trump and to forget about our careers. U.S. national security is at stake. That really changed the mood. And then Pelosi came out on Tuesday and she announced that she would launch an impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump, which is only the fourth time in U.S. history that that has happened. Well, thanks, Dimitri, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our episodes on John Ruskin's message for our times, Iran's attack on Saudi oil facilities or China's efforts to curb its emissions, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.